Welcome back, everyone. It's an honor and a pleasure to be with you today as we continue this discussion about high performance. Uh, it's become a passion of mine because if you know my story, that it wasn't uh, <laughs> it wasn't always up and to the right. There was a long time that I spent in a pit trying to figure it all out. How do I be a great dad, a great entrepreneur, a great husband, all simultaneously with being a great clinician? Um, and it was difficult. And uh, there were some trying times there with lots of stress, lots of sleepless nights. And the more I, candid conversations I have about this, the more I realize that's the norm in dentistry rather than the exception. But from those dark days, I've created a system or studied systems that I've somewhat assembled to help dentists have their best year every year. And that's really my passion. That's why I love having these, these um, webinars or whatever forum medium that I can speak about it because it really helps speed up the learning curve for dentists and helps shorten the, the cycle when things aren't going quite as well and um, adds to the fulfillment because I think we can have more in dentistry without additional stress if we study these principles of high performance. Um, it's not necessarily about doing more, it's about being more. And so I'm certified as a high performance leadership coach and um, these insights come from the best in the world. And it's fun to assemble this message and, and deliver it to a dental community because I think it's the stuff that we really needed a long time ago. And then we get go to the school of hard knocks and sometimes we end up in a, in a position where we're kind of nihilistic and think, well, it's not going to work. I'm just going to create this work-a-day life and um, try and assemble a decent career together and retire someday. And I think it can be much more robust than that. And that's what all these discussions are. I'll do a, a brief rewind before we talk about today's topic specifically. But productivity, I want people to understand, has a much deeper meaning than what we typically think of productivity in a dentistry is how much dentistry did we do in a day? What's the top line number of the value that we created? Uh, productivity, I think you'll see, also means doing the right things, which can mean life outside the office and getting it all to integrate so it works well. So we're not in this push-pull work-life balance where we're having these opposing forces and constantly feeling depleted, guilty, um, insignificant, not enough because we're not executing on all levels. There's a way to do that and that's habit management and that's what a lot of this discussion is. But I want you to first understand that productivity isn't necessarily just getting a bunch more things done. It's about focusing on the right things. And a lot of times it's about stop doing, finding a not to do list and automating it, delegating it, eliminating it completely because we spend a lot of time in the busyness of life and it doesn't really necessarily move us forward into the direction that we so desire. So let's dive in a little bit here. Um, I'm going to start with reviewing the other, this is session five that we've done on the water cooler. Um, I really want to uh, show my gratitude and appreciation towards the sponsors. They do a lot of background work, making sure this is all set up, ready to go, promoted, and then the recordings are getting a lot of traction as well. So everyone at Equa Marketing, Nair and Lila, everyone that makes this happen, I think it's a real great resource for dentists and um, I hope you value it as such. So let me just back up a little bit to go over this because this all starts to synergize when we dive in deeper into what I'm starting to call the seven habits of a high-performance dentist. High performance dentist. The two things that I, I must acknowledge there is that's a tip of the hat to my hero, Stephen Covey, that 
really transformed my career, oh gosh, maybe 22 years ago with Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Those principles changed me and these are further deepening those principles and their universal laws that apply to everyone, dentists, non-dentists, business owners, non-business owners, they work as long as you work them. So let's dive into these fundamental concepts or categories um, or review them a bit. The first one we talked about months ago was accountability. Accountability, I think, is a missing element in our society. There's a lot of blame in dentistry that gets pointed at oh, insurance companies, big dentistry, corporate dentistry, product, um, supply companies, all this sort of stuff that Certainly, there can be some downward pressures on our ability to do what we want to do as dentists, but there's also all this opportunity. And if we're not accountable, if we're not willing to create change in our practice, practices, um, that can be an exercise for us in frustration. But if we take the ownership and the, the saying I like to say that is fully accountable is that my practice is not limited by its opportunity, it's limited by its leader. Um, that's me and my practice, and that might be you and your practice. And the more we own that, the more we can induce change and really get to the root cause of what, why are these patients showing up this way? Why are they frustrated? Why are the team members showing up this way? Did I hire the right people? Did I train them properly? That's all a foundation of accountability. And if we're going to be great leaders, we first have to realize that our names on our, on the door, our names on the note in that practice and it all, the buck stops with us and uh, that's accountability. Clarity is an interesting thing because a lot of times I thought I was clear and I wasn't as clear on the objective. And the more I talk to dentists, the more I realize that they're moving, but they don't quite know what the objective is. And there's a quote that I've shared um, in multiple stage presentations and it's, unhappiness is not knowing what you want and killing yourselves to get it. And we as dentists are so achievement focused that sometimes we'll continue that upward trajectory so relentlessly, so to speak, that we may be off target completely, but heck, we're getting things done, right? We're growing our business. And sometimes that can have a lot of collateral damage and making sure that we know what we want, then driving that by what we want, why we want it. It might be benefit extension of make an impact on our family, our community, our patients, our team, but specifically, why do we want it? And then growing into that role by understanding who do we have to become to get it. This whole clarity game a lot of times gets taken sideways by dentists because we are how people, very procedure-based. What's the instruments? What's the, what's the um, materials? What's the right sequence to make sure that I place this implant correctly? Well, life and business doesn't quite work that way. Sometimes we have to be on step nine to realize what step 10 is. And that requires courage, which is the fourth one here. But clarity, and clarity commitment, and courage are closely linked if we're going to be high, perform high performers. That's the other thing that I, I, I need to make sure that, that I make clear is that high performance and achievement differ in that achievement is kind of becomes an at all cost game, meaning we'll sacrifice our energy, we'll sacrifice our time at home, we'll sac sacrifice our time on vacation, working late nights, trying to achieve. High achievement is comes with it, the achievement, but we are reducing stress simultaneously and increasing fulfillment. It's important, important that we hit our targets, but that when we get there and cross the finish line that we feel good about it. And there's so many times in my career that I was so focused on the next level 
that the abundance quickly became the new scarcity and I was already moving on past it and never took time to recognize a comp, uh, and celebrate the goal that I had achieved. And the more I talked to dentists, the more I realized that's very commonplace and we should um, be gathering fulfillment and gratitude and sometimes pausing in reflection to make sure that we realize how far we've come and how quickly we've achieved that. The, the third one in this sequence is energy. Energy is an interesting conversation I have a lot with dentists because they will struggle with the idea of taking time for themselves to exercise. Like one of the rules that I like to have for my clients is sweat before work. Now, why should I sweat before work? I don't have time for that. Well, you get that time back because if you show up as a more energetic leader, that is a force multiplier versus imagine walking in with your head down with a case of the Mondays to the morning huddle. What does that do? It's the ripple effect there. And you're, you have to recognize that if you want to grow your practice, that's based on case acceptance and production. And you as a person, a physical body walking in there, your energy will either drive the production or inhibit the production. There really is no neutral there. So how we control our energy or how we create our and more energy doesn't have to be this tapering off game that we typically see. We can get more healthy and more energetic if we deploy the proper strategies and habits. And then that increases our capacity to do more in the office. And then courage, what I talked what I talked about briefly before. After clarity, we need a commitment. Once we know what we want, we have to be committed to that objective. But a lot of times dentists get stuck in this courage loop because we're not trained to be courageous. In fact, a lot of clinical dentistry will, 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 um, courage is not rewarded. If we are big, big risk takers in the clinical game, if we're big risk takers with our procedures, sometimes we get burnt and dentistry doesn't reward cowboys. It rewards people that are very methodical and clinical and precise and business and leadership sometimes doesn't reward those same skill sets. And so we have to realize that our clinical hat sometimes need to be left in the operatory. And we have these other roles that may be in my case, father, it may be CEO, it may be husband, it may be leader of a team. That's a completely different skill set and mindset than being excellent, excellent clinically. And we have to make sure that we we're taking the right identity into the situation so that we can rise to the occasion. I did a, um, a Facebook live earlier today and we were talking about why do dentists sometimes feel not enough, insecure, all this, all this struggle that dentists have. And to me, it's no surprise because we're very achievement oriented to get into dental school and get through dental school is something that a lot of people wish they could do, but a lot of them didn't get accepted. And so to get that dental license, we've had to have this, like, I expect a lot of myself. And so Nobody I know wants to have a mediocre office or be a mediocre spouse or be a mediocre parent or be a mediocre leader. So we have this big expectation, but we don't know how to fill in the gap with a capability. And that always takes courage because to get to confidence, we have to push through the courage, the, the, the messiness of courage and get to capability. And that only comes from reps. And the first time we do anything, the first time we run a business, the first time we try and sell treatment, the first time we place an implant, we're not going to be very good at it. And we're not, dentists have trouble making peace with 
um, not being good at something for a while. And that takes courage to know that we might suck in the beginning, but through the reps and the persistence, um, we can achieve anything that we want, whether it be clinical or non-clinical. But I just see this courage thing getting dentists tripped up when they know they should make a business decision, a hiring decision, a firing decision, and they just ruminate for weeks and months over it. And when I press on them and say like, you know, this needs to be done, right? Yeah. Um, the courage is the card that needs to be played to reach the objective. And then it's a, by then it's, a, you know, a clearly calculated risk, which minimizes the, the risk and the damage that's likely. And, they end up growing their practice faster than ever if they know when the right time to be courageous. So that builds us into the fifth habit of a high performance dentist, which is productivity. And I'll give you kind of some new ideas and meaning some things that took me a while to figure out because listen, I grew up on a farm. Work ethic was the number one most rewarded thing. And so if you had a hobby, if you weren't sun up till sundown, you were apathetic, you were lazy. And so I was of the scripting of if I'm, if I'm moving around a lot, if I'm busy, it must equal business. And that's not true at all. Um, I get more done in three and 12 days of work in the dental office now than I used to in 20. Um, that's a, that's a productivity number. Um, and I'll show you how we can get through that, but it requires some mind shifts and thinking um, and doing things in a way, in a manner that most people aren't willing to do. It's what I tell my clients all the time. If you want what others don't have, you have to be willing to do what others won't do. And sometimes if we get stuck in the mediocrity of typical thinking, we stay stuck in, in, the, in, the, in an average practice, taking advice from average people. If you want exceptional, if you want high performance, you just have to do things differently. And that's what we'll talk and build out in this discussion that we're having today. This is, um, this is a diagram that I kind of swiped from a, a very astute um, positive psychologist. So positive psychology, psychology for a long time just studied pathology. And then we started studying like, what do happy people do? What do high success people do? What do fulfilled people do? And so his name's Tal Ben-Shahar and he has different titles here, but this works a lot better for me in coaching dentists. But where I find most achieving dentists is down here, down to the right, where they're pushing purpose so much that sometimes they get lost of why they're doing it all. And they don't take any time to stop and smell the roses, so to speak. Where we get so good at delayed gratification that we don't ever really know when to cash in and feel gratified because that's our course, getting into dental school, getting accepted to dental school, getting through dental school, all those tests, getting a license, getting associateship, getting a practice, proving we're enough to the patients, proving we're enough to everyone, making everyone happy, leaves most of us exhausted. What I want to do is get more dentists in this upper right quadrant, getting the move up and to the right, which is a synergy of pleasure and purpose. And I'll show you how I do that and how I recommend it being done. There's a whole nother group of dentists that consider entitled, meaning, okay, I got a dental license now, surely I'm, I'm, I'll get this dollar figure every quarter or every year, and uh, I'll get this many days off and this many benefits. I'll talk a little bit more about value in this discussion, but the marketplace doesn't care that you have a doctor. The marketplace cares on how difficult the problems you can solve clinically, how good of a leader you are, how about um, how 
uh, exceptional of a patient experience you can provide, how unique you are. And so if we're not somewhat purpose-driven, we can end up in this rut. These are the nihilists down here in the bottom left that I talk about. Sometimes they've been entitled, well, that doesn't really work so well. Sometimes they've been purpose-driven, well, that doesn't work so well. They've never combined the two, and so they just give up, and they fall into this work a day, do a few crown preps, do some fillings, go home, rinse and replete for 30 years, which um, is the opposite of fulfillment. And uh, I think there's a better path. And everything that I coach, everything that I speak on from stage, everything that I've included in our book, Titans of Dentistry, everything that I talk about in the podcast is really a driver to get people here. Um, and I call that best year every year. And we'll, we'll build out this, this uh, productivity piece and what it means to do the right things and not just be busy, busy, busy. So that's the quest. Know where you are and know where you want to go. I hope your quest is enthusiastic, but it's also important if we're going to make progress to know the truth about where we stand right now. So if you're watching this, um, get real, get ruthless about where you are right now, because that's how we make progress. So I talked to you a little bit before about it being really important that I learn from the best and a lot of the things that I teach are deep seated research, not by me. It works across the board, dentists, non-dentists. CEO, uh, Hollywood, anyone that wants to be a high performer, this stuff works. And a lot of the research comes from this man and his organizations, Brennan Bruchard. He's taught me a lot. Um, and this is a statement that he has on productivity and I align with it perfectly. So think about your life as being a productive, fulfilling life. Productivity is not a time management thing. It's a purpose thing. And so once we know what we want, which is the clarity and why we want it, now it becomes purpose-driven. And then we get rid of all this noise, this distraction that takes us off the course on how we really want to serve our patients, how we really want to grow our practice, how we really want to serve our team. And in eliminating that noise, we can create a more direct path. Certainly there's things that get us pulled right and left, crises within the practice, trauma and drama that just pops up, fires part of human life. But the more we leverage mother nature and how we're driven psychologically, the more we can feel good and still accelerate to hit the targets and the next level goals that we want. But we have to understand that it's a purpose thing. It's not just squeezing more into the hours that we have during the day or depriving ourselves of sleeps because um, that is not a long-term strategy. It's a pretty good short-term strategy if you're starting a practice, if you have a newborn, sometimes it needs that nurturing, but if you're gonna do that for years, you'll burn out and uh, being aligned with purpose will serve you either way. But um, again, we have to take time to smell the roses and I'll talk to you about how to do that and not just be building a business. Because a lot of times as high performers or achievers, we deceive ourselves as I need to work more to provide for my family when in reality they're already provided for and what they want now is time and attention. I joked uh, at a meeting that never once in my career have I come home an hour early and my family said, hey, what are you doing home so early? You should have prepped another crown. So that's the reality of providing for a family. Some of it's financial, but some of it's time and attention and there's a way to get that all to align. 
My other great mentor is John C. Maxwell. He's considered the authority in the world on leadership. And I just love the way he thinks about it. He comes from a very servant heart. And he says what I was explaining before, busyness does not equal business. Uh, activity is not necessarily achievement. And sometimes in this society, we're rewarded for, oh, I'm so busy. Oh, I'm working this, these hours and these days. You know what impresses me? Your ability to get things done in short bursts and then take time off and recharge and make memories and take vacations and spend time with your family. And so that's productivity too. I had the one of the things I've been doing for the last few years because my parents are getting up there in age. I just last year threw my dad an 80th birthday party and they live back in Nebraska and um, they'd just be fine staying there in Omaha. But I want them to get out and see a few things. And so I've flown them to New York, to Washington, D.C., to Naples, Florida, and most recently um, to Nashville. And so we get to make memories with them and they get to spend time with my son, Bennett. And it's just a real special time. It's just for two or three days. But I consider that productivity, too, because, you know, why are we doing all this? Why are we trying to be such great dentists? At the end of our days, there's a couple things that I know for sure that we wish we would have maintained great relationships and we wish that we would have lived a life true to ourselves, not the life that other ex others expected to us. And so sometimes the question I get is like, what do I do with my demanding patients if I take 10 days off? Well, maybe they need to find another dentist. Maybe their goals and your goals don't align. Maybe there's not a win-win there. And so once we know who we truly want to serve, we're okay with if we're not everything to everyone. And that's really hard for dentists to digest because we by and large, have golden hearts and are people pleasers. Um, but saying yes to that patient might be saying no to your parents. It may be saying no to your children. It may say, be saying no to that vacation. And that's what you'll really cherish at the end of your day is we just have to study the, the five regrets of the dying to know that. And I cite that as a resource to keep us headed in the right direction and make sure that this productivity is really purpose-driven. So, um, know that activity is not necessarily achievement and make sure that we're organizing um, our, live, our, our livelihood to support our life. I think um, that's the great lie is that we should make a great living and that it be, then it becomes this pursuit of money. I think we sh well, people are happy they've got a great life. And when people want money, what they really want is a great lifestyle. And so how do we utilize that to not just buy stuff that depreciates and rusts, but to really um, create magical moments and memories. So I think uh, I share that story only to help you understand that productivity is not just this treadmill game. It's about actually getting off the treadmill and taking some of that cash flow that you work so hard for and sharing it. And, and um, like I said, creating moments and memories that will last forever. So I want to start off by the traditional with the traditional term of productivity in dentistry. You see a lot of dentists that move around the office really quickly and you look at the end of the day and it's like, well, um, you did a lot of hygiene checks, you did a lot of dentistry, but the bottom line isn't enough to support your business goals, your life goals. And so there's some concepts here that I'll add very quickly. All of this could be a day long workshop, quite frankly. Um, but these are some of the ways that I've been able to go from working every day to working five days a week to four days a week to now just 11 or 12, all while maintaining the growth of the practice, never adding an associate, 
never really adding any additional staff members. It's all been done in 1,200 square feet with four ops over the last 10 years, continuing to optimize the process, shrink back the time that we're there, and um, doing it with two hygienists, two admin, and two assistants. So it's possible. Um, you just have to have the right skill sets and mindsets. So DNN in my office stands for Dave Not Needed, and in your office, it can stand for Doctor Not Needed. But it's very important as a leader that you distinguish what is your job and what is clearly not your job. Is it your job to fix a sensor if it's not working? Is it your job to fix the pano machine if it's not working? Is it your job to deal with an upset patient if they have a $32 uh, copay and they were surprised by that? Nope, all of those can be done by team members and should be done by team members. In my practice, essentially, I focus on things that require a dental license by law and high level executive decisions, things that will shift the trajectory of the practice. Other than that, you can train people to do that and you should. Here's the thing, a lot of dentists feel like they can't find good people. Good people are everywhere. Good people want good jobs, but realize that mediocre dentists have maybe employed them in the last two or three stops and they don't know what decisiveness looks like. They don't know what autonomy looks like. So if they give them objective and give them a frame, if they're the right person, they'll figure out how to get there. Sometimes you have to give them a little bit more, a phone script, but once you give them ownership of a department, of an operatory, that stuff doesn't require a dental license. It just requires resourcefulness. And people, like I said, they, they long for that autonomy, but a lot of times they don't know it's possible because they've never seen it before. And so that's part of leadership is good delegation and growing other leaders, giving them something to own, giving them permission to make mistakes, giving them permission to make things right, giving them permission to exceed expectations in their own way, their little signature with patients. I think that's really important. And if it's off your plate, then you can be doing other things. And in a dental practice, most of the bottom line is based on what the dentist does. In a typical practice, maybe you'll do 70% and the hygiene department will be 30% doing 30%. So if you have more time in the blocks that you're there, you can get more done. You can do bigger cases, which we'll talk about in a little bit. 80-20 is Pareto's principle. Um, it's something that has helped me as a mental filter as I make decisions. Essentially how it would be um, manifest in a dental practice is that typically 80% of your revenue will come from 20% of your patients. 80% of your headaches will also come from 20% of your patients. So it's important that we're not treating everybody the same as a VIP because they're not all treating you the same. Some people don't show up. Some people don't pay their bills. Should you treat them as your is your patients that um, pay and refer and take on your recommendations? I don't think so. That's trying to be everything to everyone and that's a bad leadership concept because the thing I can say for sure in leadership is if you try and make everyone happy, you can make no one happy because you immediately start catering to the people who um, are non-compliant, who are non-referrers, who have their own agenda in play. And then that's just a rat race. It's too, too difficult. So distinguishing those things. Um, typically, um, when we go down here to the big case com conversation, you may find that Invisalign implants, um, multiple units of crown and bridge are the majority of your practice. So how do we get more big case and not get bogged down into the little MOs and DOs on 12 and 13 that aren't especially efficient? 
um, and they just speed up the treadmill. We'd like two or three decent sized cases during the day so that we have a predictable production at the end of the day. And then we can trickle in the emergencies and the smaller stuff. But if we let that smaller stuff get in first, then there's no room. If we use the metaphor of rocks going first, then pebbles, then sand, then water. If we do it the other way, if we put in the sand first, there's no room for the big rocks. So make sure that you're solving more complex problems and able to do some bigger case dentistry because that'll, I'll build out that discussion a little bit more on the next line. Um, but it's important that you solve unique problems in your, in your area because you don't want to be a commodity. That's, that's the worst thing if you want to work less and have more time off and more fulfillment is to commoditize yourself unintentionally. The other thing is there's always inefficiencies in the practice. Some of them are clinical where the assistant's leaving the room and then coming back. Some of them are on scheduling. Like uh, the other day we had a hygiene uh, appointment for a patient on Tuesday and Invisalign a patient on Wednesday, uh, same patient appointment on Wednesday. Usually we'd catch that, but let's consolidate those appointments. Let's limit the in and out of the office, the turnover, the operatories, uh, making sure that patients know the value of the next appointment so that they're keeping getting the appointment and making the and keeping the appointment and not flaking out and canceling and no showing. There's, in my opinion, there's unlimited opportunity to plug holes in the bucket. There's always a way to optimize and create a next level of efficiency in a practice if you study it and you look for those holes in the bucket you prioritize them and you come up with a maybe a quarterly goal to plug that hole you can do that till the end of the time um and i think a lot of dentists are too quick to add the next stop add the next practice when they haven't fully optimized or come close to fully optimizing their their first practice so good efficiency good focus on significant cases can make you much more productive, which can make you much more profitable. But um, make no mistake about it. I think the chasing of money and having our teams chase money is counterproductive. Uh, I used to be really money focused. We'd focus on a daily target, which was distilled down into a target per column. So we had four columns, each had its own target, which was further distilled down into an hourly target. Very clear if we accomplished it or not, but it never felt good, right? So we want to feel good when we're providing healthcare, and I didn't know a better way, but now I do. So let's talk about what is money. Money is dead presidents on, on green paper. <laughs> it's a symbol, right? Um, but that symbol has value, and we give it value. It's a, it's a symbol of human achievement. It's a symbol of us being able to add value to the marketplace. Um, and let me show you a recipe for figuring out the value. Again, it's arbitrary, but it'll give you an idea of how to level up your value and how to become more productive in your practice. If money equals value, then why don't we chase value, add value props? What can we do more for the patient? How can we exceed their expectation? How can we solve more of their dental problems so we're not referring it out? How do we, how do we, figure out the, the formula for value, scale. Scale in this case would be how difficult is the problem. If you're doing an occlusal on 14, anyone can solve that problem, the scale is very low. If you're doing a all on four, now that's a bigger scale, you're solving more complex problems. 
So that helps you in this value formula, right? So being able to increase your clinical skill sets and solve more, com more complex problems. Furthermore, being able to explain to people, to influence people to do the treatment, to want the treatment they need. So this is being able to provide the clinical dentistry and help people get access to that, understand why they need it. What are the consequences of not doing it? How do we create some financial terms so it's affordable? All that would be included in scale. Scope would be the volume. Certainly you can play more volume, right? But sooner or later, you don't wanna see one more patient a day. But the more we can provide complex, solving complex problems to more people, the more value that we have. So um, you can play the volume game, but it has its limits. Um, you can continue to add operatories and associates. A lot of people do that. That ends up being more of a, an insurance um, level game. And you can play both games. You can have a high volume practice and then maybe you're figuring out um, a way to harvest, to schedule a full mouth rehab once a month out of that. That's certainly acceptable too. You just have to know what you're capable of and how to increase the scale and scope over time. The one thing that gets uh, ignored a lot of time is here uh, the, 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 the dividing factor here, which would be scarcity. If there's a dentist on every corner that can do what you do, you've immediately become a commodity, right? So there's these little hotbeds of dentists where every dentist can do, they're, they're, a, they're a, like a, a mega practice or a, they can do everything. They can do large scale problems, they can do small scale problems, they can see kids, they can see adults, they can do little things, they can do big things. And that makes it difficult because you're in a market that you're, you're not a category of one, you're one of many. You can go into a rural area like where I grew up in Nebraska and have a decent clinical skill set. And that might be rather scarce there because people will drive for many miles, but you may be in say Santa Barbara, California, I know has a ton of dental specialists. You may be very skilled, but it's almost become a commodity because it's not scarce. It's very easy. And so now we're competing on price as opposed to I'm the only practitioner in the area that can provide the, um, the solution to the problem that you have right now. So when you're thinking about increasing money, boil it all down to what it really is and find ways to increase the scale, increase, expand the scope, the capacity of the practice. And hopefully in a market where that's not just run of the mill services that you're providing. Um, sometimes it's worthy of movement. Other times you have to get more creative in your messaging about, because some people can do this stuff, but they don't know how to tell the marketplace. So it's like they don't do it, the phone's not ringing. So this may be a marketing challenge as well. Those four things I think will provide you endless insights when you really boil them down to a granular level of opportunities that you have in your practice to make it more productive. Let's extend the conversation. A lot of us, we work really hard in the practice, but we don't work hard um, on the business. We get lazy, say we leave it on Thursday and we kind of mentally check out till next Monday. That can, that can take our life sideways too because it's the same person that's running the practice and not running the practice. And if we're not making sure that we're, like I was talking about, creating moments, creating memories, make sure we're clear, make sure we have time to work on the business, that it's headed in the right direction, 
All that is very important. The one resource that I would highly encourage, it can really be any journal, but this journal I'm biased towards because it lines up perfectly with everything that we're talking about. It's author and creators, Brendan Bouchard, who trained me in, in um, being a high performance coach. And it hits on these habits, which are scalable, clarity, energy, courage, productivity, influence, accountability, all that. And make sure you're on the right track because sometimes we're so achievement driven that we're headed off in this direction. And 10 years later, we realize like, that wasn't what I wanted at all. This journal is a daily check-in to make sure that you're placing the big rocks, your health, your wealth, your relationships, that those things aren't just getting sidelined indefinitely while you work on your practice, that we're, we're making deposits in all the bank accounts, the emotional bank accounts, the leadership bank accounts, all the roles that we have, or it's quite immense as a dentist typically, and we can get sucked into these urgencies these crises, and actually um, that's not where we should be spending our time at all. So some sort of a journal, some sort of reflection tool. Again, this is my favorite, the High Performance Planner, makes it a habit that we're doing this every day, in this case, twice a day. There's a morning set and an evening set, and then you can figure out your time stuff, you know, your appointments as a byproduct of that, as opposed to just chasing your calendar, which I think a lot of people end up doing. This makes it much more intentional. Um, the thing I'll talk a little bit more on the next slide, but it's important to bring up on this slide, is that I used to spend a whole day a week working on my business. Because of the roles of being a good clinician are so different from being a good business owner, I needed time out of the practice to really look at the marketing, the leadership, the strategy, to make sure that was growing. And I used to do a full day, um, then I went down to half a day now. Uh, things are headed in a really good trajectory and are really fully delegated and don't require much of me. I'll spend a, maybe an hour or two a week on this, but when I'm doing this, I'm not in the practice. And so a lot of my clients are having success with this, but they're still going to the practice. But what happens when you go into the practice? Distractions, yeah. Your, your, your wonderful team knows you're there and then they'll lean on you um, when they could probably figure out the problem themselves. Maybe it's a phone call from an antsy patient. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's some equipment issue that needs to be repaired. If you're there, they'll lean on you. If you're not there, they'll be more resourceful. Some, some, some of this is creating boundaries um, to make sure that you're not looking at CT scans and planning your implants when you should be working on your business because we're naturally attracted to that to be more clinical anyway. And so, uh, environment is really important. Um, there's a there's a really good book that I would recommend to anyone called Willpower Doesn't Work. And it supports scientifically a lot of theories that I've had for a long time is that willpower is this depletable, this depletable resource. So think of it as you have a limited capacity at the beginning of the day and you use willpower and it'll eventually deplete. And if you have an environment that aligns with the objective that you want, then you don't have to worry about willpower. So one example would be a non-clinical, non-business thing. But if you have, I don't know, say you love chocolate chip cookies, you create an environment in your kitchen, you don't have them there. But if you buy them at the grocery store and you have them there for a special occasion and you've depleted your willpower throughout the day, making business decisions, saying no to this, saying yes to this, making this other decision, at the end of the day, yep, 
it's time for a cookie, right? You've worn out your willpower. There's nothing left. So it's about engineering our environment. So it brings out the best of us. Like another, another, um, another example of this goes back to the energy discussion. I'm a big advocate of a home gym because I love to work out, but a lot of times I also love to do other things. And so I wouldn't go to the gym because it was too cold because it was too dark because I was too tired. Well, I've eliminated a lot of the excuses because I've properly engineered my environment. Now I just have to put on my biking shorts, a jersey, some socks, and I go down to the Peloton. First thing in the morning, it's done. It takes away time. I'm more efficient. And again, it takes away uh, the need for willpower. The habit is very easily triggered by me just getting out of bed in the morning. The third thing I'll talk about at a deeper level is distraction. So most of us have a, have a weapon of mass distraction in our pocket called a phone. There's Instagram, there's Facebook, there are people emailing you, there are people texting you. So even if you have really good intentions, you're fighting the willpower and it's really hard. Some people look at their phone a hundred times a day. And so how productive can we really be if we're responding to this nonsense? We need to put that thing away, keep it in our car, keep it in our private office and use almost scheduling distinct times. One of the best, most greatest productivity hacks that you can have is um, not looking at your phone for the first hour of the day, like just taking it off limits because that starts the lead domino of you being very proactive. You can go do your workout. You can do your journaling. You have your green drink. You can do your meditation, whatever powers up your day. But once you start looking at Facebook, Facebook is designed for you to look at the next thing and the next thing. And so is Instagram and ding you. Now you have this email and now you're looking at your bank account. Next thing you know, it's a half an hour. And you haven't done anything and all that stuff could have waited. In fact, a lot of that stuff could have, you could have just ignored and been fine. But because the distraction was so accessible, that stuff is designed to get your attention and away from what really needs to be done and what you really want to get done. So even the best of intentions, even with great willpower, this stuff will lead you off course. So Again, engineering everything very intentionally is important if we want to have a great practice that serves a great life. Third concept. So we talked about synergizing the purpose with the pleasure. And I hate to admit this, but I was such a workaholic for so long and I was feeling this guilt for not spending time with my wife and son that uh, we can literally, I can walk to the gondola of Beaver Creek from my office. So there's no excuse for me not to spend time on the mountain skiing, creating these moments and memories that we talked about, but I was so bad at it because I thought I had to work one more hour on the practice. Nope, it's three hours. No, it's five hours. Now the whole Saturday morning is gone. So I started to schedule everything. Every journaling time, every reading time, every date night with wife, every father-son time with son, all that stuff started to get on my schedule. And I realized that my life became magical about it because of it. Now I don't do that because now it's more habitual, but I needed to make those priorities. And so what I encourage people to do is uh, once you get your practice heading in a good direction, put your life first and let the practice get, take what's left over. And you, that, that can be taken too far. Don't take it for what it is. Make sure that your life is serving your practice and your practice serving your life. Those of you who know me well, I have an ongoing argument with a lot of people about work-life balance. I don't believe in it. I don't get it. Because when you say work-life 
balance, you've immediately put those two at odds. You've created tension between the other. And when a dentist is a high-performing dentist, they're going to immediately feel guilt because when I'm being a great entrepreneur, well, I'm being a bad father and a bad husband in my case. I'm being, well, I'm living too much. Now I'm not working enough. And so it creates this guilt game. If you actually get them to serve one another, if you can recharge on the weekends and go in with full force and be more productive, then you get more cash flow. Then you're happier and serving your team better. And now you're a better leader. And now you're creating other better leads. The ripple effect, once you get these things aligned, is very powerful. But if you're always feeling run down, burnt out, burning the candle at both ends, that again, doesn't serve anyone. But no one taught us the proper architecture on how to how to make it all work. And this, in my mind, is how you make it all work. So schedule time to smell the roses, to stuff that's really important, like the stuff that you'll value at the end of your days. I've never heard anyone say at the end of their day, I wish I would have done one more acquisition. I wish I would have made another million. Certainly that prosperity is important, but what are we using our prosperity for along the way? First and foremost, this is a bit of an energy discussion, but you have to schedule time for you. Most people I talk to take no time for themselves. Is it a hobby that recharges you? Certainly there should be time for your body, your health and nutrition. There should be time for your spirituality. Maybe meditation and journaling helps you get really clear. Maybe it's walks and, and nature. For me, it's skiing and spending time with nature. But time for you, time to recharge. Not just time facilitating all these roles, but time for you. In being selfish, you can be more selfless. Now you have more to give because your capacities have increased. It's really hard for me to talk a, a selfish, selfless serving dentist into being more selfish, but the outputs increase. So they're actually more selfless because they've taken time for themselves. It's that old analogy of when the plane's going down, you gotta get your own oxygen mask on before you can serve others. Because again, if you're burnt out, you're serving no one. You need to make sure that you can play this for a long time. And so scheduling time for you, scheduling i say don't let the racehorse get tired because the ripple effect is powerful it starts to affect your cash flow your team your patients and your family very quickly if you start getting worn out and fatigued so time for you is really important one-on-one -on -one leadership time um, this is one of my favorites i used to hate meetings but now i really cherish the time that i have with each employee and i do that quarterly um, we have team meetings every morning with the huddle we have a bigger training and kind of a trajectory meeting every month. We have an annual meeting where we, where we talk about the culture and the values. But the one-on-one -on -one meetings are really important because I'm, I'm not naturally good at praising. And so it gives me time to hear them, understand what their aspirations are, what their challenges are, both in and outside the practice, how they feel about their job performance, um, and really give them feedback. And I used, this used to be more of a, a review. It's not a review anymore. It's a peer-to-peer -peer conversation to make sure that they, they have all the resources, all the training, all the equipment that they need from me, and that we're on the same page. And um, a lot of times, because I was ignoring this, fire, fires would flare up in the practice, and it would kind of get gossiped around a little bit. And I wouldn't know, I wouldn't be able to solve it until it was too late. And now this helps me connect. Uh, it actually drives production because now we function as friends and um, 
I have their back, they have my back every day and it just gets rid of a lot of the drama and it's important that this one-on-one leadership um, certainly is powerful within a practice, but think about how that uh, impacts your other key relationships and your friendships and your family, which leads us to the next conversation. Um, if you're married or have a significant other, I'll ask you, when's the last time you scheduled date night? Um, for some people, it's been years, you know. Um, when's the last time you called the old college buddy or high school friend? Um, this um, at the end of your days, when I talk about the five regrets of the dying, this is the thing that people wish they would have done is to create these moments and stayed connected. And, um, I can tell you through a couple, um, near death experiences, not of, not of mine, but of my wife, when, um, when things are dark, it's the only thing that matters is your friends and family. And we get lost in all this busyness. So staying connected in that and knowing that it's important and putting emotion, uh, deposits in their emotional bank accounts on schedule. I over here, over here on my whiteboard have a list of friends and that might seem too contrived. That might seem too methodical. That might seem too engineered, but it's important to me to remember that, Hey, it's been a while since I've talked to Travis Brandt. Hey, it's been a while. I want to check in and see how he's doing. Otherwise, just like the rest of you achievers, I get caught up in the busyness and, then it's been a couple years. And so uh, that's really important stuff to schedule because it's the stuff that's most important. And then scheduling life first. So about three, uh, three years ago, I went from four days to three days and I made it a commitment to only go in the office 11 or 12 days a month. And then I would take four to six vacations a year. And for some people that's outrageous, but you know, I, I became a kind of a, uh, addicted to travel when I lived in Europe, when I was stationed there with the army. And that's how I, that's how I wanted to have, um, time with my family. And so sometimes it's just a ski day. Like you see here, this was a powder day on March 3rd. We just drove over to Vail and had a great time on the mountain. Other times that's getting away. Um, we go all over the place, Hawaii, San Francisco. Sometimes it's kind of work related because I'm speaking at conferences, but we, we merge the two into special moments and that's all really important. So when you start becoming profitable, what are you going to do with that? You're just going to sock it away in retirement funds? No, make sure that you have time for, for laughs and memories and travel and fine food and nice wine and whatever, whatever, um, whatever inspires you and makes you feel good because um, the delayed life plan thinking, oh, now I'm 65 and now I'm just going to chase all this stuff is really uh, another recipe for unfulfillment because now you've now you've unplugged from purpose, your work, your ability to serve and grow, and now you're just trying to cash in on the pleasure. And so what I encourage people is to keep those aligned all along. Certainly, sometimes it's a, a d- difficult because you may have somebody you have to fire, which requires more of you in the practice. You might have somebody more, you need to train more, which is, requires more of you in the practice. You might have a sick family member, which requires you more outside the practice, but the more you learn to align these, the more powerful you are in all of those places. So that's why I think the discussion of productivity needs a deeper level. Again, it's not so much about getting more done. Oftentimes it's t- getting less done um, and making sure that we're doing the right things. Cause a lot of times we're very productive, but we're chasing the wrong, qu- it's the wrong quest. And so that's why I like this, this extended conversation about productivity. Um, and please don't 
ever think I'm implying that you should sabotage your practice. I want everyone's practice having their best year every year, just like I want your life having your best year every year. And so this is all a bottom line strategy. The interesting thing, when I went from four days to three days, people ask me, did your production take a hit? Grew by 15%. Why? Because I was more focused, more dialed in on those days, and therefore so was the team because they were refreshed as well. So don't think that it's all a time and effort game. A lot of times you just have to focus on the results and we deceive ourselves because of this. We're, we're rewarding time and effort. And you know when you have to get a procedure done quickly, sometimes you do it very quickly and very precisely. Um, think of a crown prep. You just kind of shut your mind off and go into flow. That's a result in a shortened amount of time. And when I talk about power, that's what I mean is that if you think about the physics formula, power equals work over unit of time. So if we're getting more impact, more results in less time, it has to come from more power. And all these things are designed to do that for you. But again, you have to be very intentional. So in conclusion, it's important that, that us achievement-minded dentists, we're naturally wired to do, 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 more, 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 go, go, go. To understand that productivity isn't necessarily about doing more, it's about doing the right things or doing the right thing in that moment in time. What is the highest and best use of your time is a question I often ask. And the other thing is that it won't just happen. It requires significant clarity and significant commitment because there's always a distraction. And the hardest thing to do, uh, or one of the hardest things for me to do is that I work so hard to get these opportunities in my business and then when they started coming fast and furious because of referrals, when my podcast started taking off and, and, and uh, writing a book and speaking on stage and coaching and calls and this, you get so used to saying yes that now you have to realize that saying yes to this is actually saying no to that. So it becomes very important that you prioritize because there isn't enough hours in the day. And so being strategic about saying no to the things that don't align with who you are and who you want to be and how you serve is probably the most important thing when it comes down to being very precise in our productivity and making sure we're doing the right thing. So again, I want to thank you for checking this out. It's always a pleasure to partner with Naren and Equa Marketing. They do a fantastic job um, serving dentists at the deepest level. And this is an extension of that. They're getting information in dentists' hands that they really need at, at really no charge. And so I, I joke with young dentists who listen to podcasts and watch these videos. I'm like, man, do you know like what you have at your fingertips would have cost me $60,000 when I came out of dental school? So I always honor the people that provide these resources for dentists because they're intensely valuable and they help dentists stay on the right track and achieve their targets. Um, if you want any more of this information, have any questions about the conversation we had today on productivity or any of the other topics that I highlighted, you can always re reach out to me at dr.dave at relentlessdentist.com. Um, I do a daily video, a coaching video on Instagram uh, that also get linked over to Facebook, so you can check me out there. I try and add value there. And then of course on the podcast, the latest kind of thing that's out into the marketplace on Kindle, um, in heart and, and paperback, and now the last few weeks has been available on Audible, is Titans of Dentistry. Um, I have no hesitation in promoting this book because I didn't write most of it. It's insights from really high-performing dentists on not how they do things clinically, but how do they figure it out. 
their business. When times were tough, how did they get through those dips? All those sorts of things, the skill sets and mindsets that set them apart. And it's not a ranking. There's incredible dentists like Dr. Pete Dawson, and there's other dentists you may have heard of, but they've created a great lifestyle practice for themselves. And so you can get tips and hints in your journey on how they've done it so that you can, you know, stand on the shoulder of, of giants, so to speak. So I encourage you to check that out. The one thing that we're doing through the water cooler here is that we're going to give away a coaching session with me, one hour coaching session um, to dive in deep into uh, what's working for you, what's not working for you. Uh, the other thing that we'll draw for is a copy, a soft, uh, a paperback copy of Titans of Dentistry. So make sure that you're, um, when you're viewing these, um, the, the one, first thing we'd like you to do is to tune in live um, because the more interactive this is, the more value, the more I can get at the heart of your issues and your questions so it can be customized. So in the next couple in May and June, be checking out, I think our next session is May 5th, no, May 7th, and that will be on influence. I hope you're there. Check that out, and then we'd like you to show up live and fill out a feedback form so that we can get better at what we're doing to serve you. Um, it's a small ask, I think, because it's huge value. Uh, and if you are, are willing and able to do that, um, we are going to draw for a coaching session and a paperback at that June session. That's something that Lila has lined up for you. And I appreciate her taking the initiative there because I think, um, again, it's just to continue added value propositions for the dentists that we strive so hard to support. Those of you who are listening to this, if this resonates with you, um, there's, there's recordings of other, these other ones. So don't hesitate to get caught up because the one thing that we know for sure is what these strategies that a win in col one column becomes a win in the other column. So a win in your energy becomes clearly a win in productivity, a win in your clarity becomes a win in your productivity. So a lot of us want to grow our businesses, but we're going about it the wrong way. Um, once we start harnessing our minds and mother nature, the way it's designed, um, then the rewards become very predictable without the induced stress. It's not that we're carrying it all on our back. We're able to delegate and become more productive as a byproduct of us being very laser focused and again, becoming more over time. And that's what this all is designed to do. So again, I hope you enjoy these um, presentations. Don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions or concerns that I can further help you with.